0: Well, this morning, let's turn to the book of Joshua, and I would like to read in your hearing this morning the first nine verses, and these will be the verses that we'll be looking at today as we uh, have gotten away from our introduction now to some of the actual dealings in this chapter. So let's begin reading with verse 1 of Joshua chapter 1, and we'll read down through verse 9, and then we'll pick up with... Some of the thoughts that can be found in this chapter and then make some application to them. Chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Well, last time we saw... Uh, From verses 1 and 2 that Moses as he's called here the servant of the Lord or servant of God is dead and we saw That uh, God himself makes this pronouncement to Joshua of course Joshua already knew this and this isn't a a revelation to Joshua This is just part of the exhortation that God is about ready to give unto Joshua to go over to the land of Israel or the land of Canaan at this point Uh, We see that God Himself is the one who speaks these very things. If you look in verse, beginning there in verse uh, 2, all the way down through verse 9, these are act, this is actually the words of God Himself that is mentioned here to Joshua. And we see that, uh, Moses is dead, and so now Joshua then is commanded to lead the people into the land of promise. Notice verse 2, Moses my servant is dead, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So again, from verses 2 all the way down through verse 9, we see that the Lord here is speaking to Joshua and showing him how that God will be with him as he leads the people over into the land of Canaan. Now, the purpose of this speech in the ears of Joshua personally to hear this was to strengthen him and to encourage him in the great work in which he's commenced or uh, uh, commissioned to do here. And there's two things in particular that he's to do. One, he... Actually, there's well, there's two. There, one, he's to lead the people over. Again, the land of Canaan has been promised unto them. They've been wandering around for 40 years. And now, has uh, since all the other folks are dead, the, the fathers, except for two, then these, this generation now is to go in. So they're to go over. And then, so God encourages him to do this. This is a big taking going on. He's got to get... Several, possibly several million folks across the river and then implanted into the land of Canaan. So this is a big responsibility. This is a big job that uh, Joshua has before him. So God here then is encouraging him to do so. And then the second thing he is to do in all of this is to keep the commandments of the Lord. He's commanded here not to depart from them to the left hand nor to the right. So these are the two main things that we see in this commission, if you want to call it that, that we see here in verses 2 through 9 that God is personally telling uh, Joshua to do. Now, the fact of the matter that he's to lead them over is nothing new. We see it in another passage. In fact, back in when they were wandering around that he had already been commissioned or given the mantle, so to speak, to go over. In Numbers, for instance, chapter 27 and verse 15, the Scripture says, And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the Spirit of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. This is Moses speaking. He already knew now that he wasn't going to go into the promised land because of his sin, his rebellion against the Lord. So now Moses, with the pastor's heart that he has, says, Well, then, if I'm not going... Please raise up someone else to go in my stead. And so this is what he's begging God here to do. He says, "...which may go out before them, when which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer, 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 excuse me, the priest, And before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. Thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And so Joshua stands then before Eliezer, and he's commissioned there. So this is, again, is nothing new. Uh, to Joshua he knew that he was going to be do this But as the time draws near As the time is about ready for him to actually go over God then comes to him And he speaks these words of encouragement Unto him Again uh, across the page Deuteronomy 34 verse 9 And Joshua the son of Nun Was full of the spirit of wisdom For Moses had laid his hands upon him And the children of Israel Hearkened unto him as, And did as the Lord Commanded Moses. So he's about ready to go over into the land of Canaan. Now, uh, we see here that God exhorts Joshua to be strong and to be of good courage, or we would say brave, as uh, we see here in the text. In fact, he says this numerous times, as a matter of fact, throughout here. Look at verse 6. So one of the things Joshua you need to put in your mind, he tells him here is to be strong and to be encouraged. If you're going to take the land, the people over to the land of Canaan, if you're going to keep the commandments of the Lord, then you must be strong and you must be encouraged. And so this is what God is telling him. Look at here. You get verse six. Be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Again, verse seven, we read the words only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the land or excuse me, all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Again, notice verse nine have not I commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So, in order for him to do those two particular things, to bring them over into the land of Canaan, as well as to obey the commandments of Moses, God here encourages him two things. One, be strong, and be encouraged or brave to do so. Now, to do this, to work this encouragement in him, God has given him four basic things to do, or to pay heed to. The first is the promise of the Lord. Go back to verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So, in order to encourage him to be strong and to be brave, God sets before him then some of the promises that he has made unto Israel. So, Joshua here is to take encouragement, he's to be strong, he's to base that on the fact that God has made certain promises. To the people of Israel. Again, verse 6. Notice, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. In other words, this isn't just go be strong and uh, you can take care of it, Joshua. No, God here is encouraging him by the fact, look, I've given you some promises. And these promises are going to be kept. And so this then will strengthen him and encourage him. Another thing is the promise of God's presence will be with him. Not only the promises themselves that you will succeed as you go over, but I won't leave you. You won't get on the other side of the river and then I will back off and just let things happen. No, God is going to be actively involved in the life of Joshua and into the life of the nation of Israel. And so he's promised here his very presence. Look in verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So there's the promise then of God's presence with Joshua. Another one is found in verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So in order to encourage him and to cause him to be strong, we see here God gives him the promise that he will never leave nor forsake him. And then there's something else to encourage him in all of this. And this is found in verse 9, and that is the command itself, the word of God. Look in verse 9. Have I not commanded thee? I've told you what to do. Now, go do it. I'm going to be with you. You have my promises, that I have my presence. You have the promise of the land that I've uh, given to the nation of Israel. So here's the command. Get up and go do it. Look at verse 2. My, uh, Moses, my servant, today is dead. Now, therefore, arise, Joshua. Get up. Get busy. Go to, so to speak. And then notice something else. The last thing that he gives him in our context is, is that he is to meditate upon the Word. In order for Joshua to be strengthened, to go forth strongly and bravely before his enemies, and even before the whining people of God, who are going to be very disobedient, as we come to see in the book of Joshua at times, he is to meditate upon the Word for help. Look in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What's the way or the means by which Joshua here is promised that he is going to have a a very prosperous way and a very successful lot in carrying forth the command of the Lord. Well, it's not just one thing in particular, is it? It's not just that God has promised him the, uh, the land, or that just as God has promised him his presence, or the command itself, but we see there's another thing added here that must be taken into account, and that is he's to meditate upon the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For what reason? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, as well as to be blessed in the success of taking care of it, what he needs to do. So we see some good things there, don't we? Some very practical things in the beginning here with Joshua as he's to go over into the land of Canaan and take possession Again, there will be Amalekites. There will be giants in the land. They will have their enemies. They, he will have the own peop, his own people not doing according to the word of God. And thus then Joshua is going to need all the grace, all the help, all the blessing, all the strength, and all the encouragement that is needed to go forth. Well, and in my remaining time now, from verses 1 through 9, especially 2 through 9, what are some applications that we can apply to us Now, we're not going to be taking anyone over to the land of Israel. We're not going to be having any kind of holy land tour, so to speak. We have our own lives to live here in America. We have to go forth and we have to daily battle our battles. Well, what can we see here in Joshua's testimony and the things that God said unto him that can be a help to us? Well, first of all, as Joshua, we need to realize that we too are going to go into combat on a regular basis. Just as Moses, or excuse me, just as Joshua was to go over to the land, he was to take physical possession of that land by sword. They weren't just going to give it to them. They had to go in and they have to labor hard. They have to fight in order to get any inch of that territory. Well, brethren, the same is said for us. It's true. We're promised the Christian walk and the Christian life. But that doesn't come easy, does it? There is a warfare that we are fighting on a daily basis. And so just as Joshua goes into warfare, brethren, you and I, we need to realize this, that the the land which we're possessing, so to speak, using that figuratively, is a land that has to be taken by violence. It's not going to be easy. It's a warfare. That's why Timothy, for instance, is told, fight the good fight of faith. So it just won't happen if we just lay back in our easy chair and think, oh God, just bless me and everything will be okay. That's not the real Christian walk. The real Christian walk is going forth step by step, taking every inch of this possession that is ours and doing it by sword and sweat and blood. Figuratively speaking, I'm not saying we should grab a sword and start hacking our enemies as the nation of Israel. That's all a picture and a type for us of the Christian walk and the Christian life. And brethren, we will not progress and receive the promises of God without the struggle and the battle. Are you saying here we earn those things? Absolutely not. There is nothing we can do to earn any victory within itself. That's all of the Lord. But the fact of the matter is those who are victorious are those who labor, fight, and take every inch that they can and giving no quarter to any of our enemies such as sin. So, brethren, think not that you will progress in the Christian walk without a struggle. Who cannot read... Romans 7, the latter part, and not see Paul struggling with sin. Who cannot read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 and him speaking of the warfare of the spirit and the flesh warring one with another? Who can't see that? Who can't experience the warfare that goes on continually inside of us because of sin dwelling in us and because of sin on the outside. These become a temptation to us and we're we're at a constant fight to not sin. But not only that, we're at a constant battle to obey. It's not just the sins of uh, commission that we should not be doing. But also, we are to do certain things in the Word of God. And do we not have to battle every inch of the way for that as well? A lot of people think there's something wrong with them in their Christian life because they do have these struggles. Brethren, you wouldn't be in the Christian life if you didn't have these struggles. This is a sign that you're still dead in trespasses and sin. This is a sign that you are at peace with the world when there are no battles. You've signed a peace treaty at birth with sin. You've made a covenant with death. The Bible speaks of there in Isaiah. And so the only way that that will be broken is by the grace of God. And once He implants that grace, then begins that struggle to walk faithfully before Him. And it is a hard labor. There's a lot of spiritual sweat for us to go through. Secondly, just as Joshua then needed encouragement to do these things, so do we. So do we. That's why we see the exhortation, exhort one another in the book of Hebrews. You and I need the encouragement one from another. Why? Because we do face those battles that we just got through speaking them of. And we do need encouragement. And just because we need encouragement doesn't mean there's something wrong. We read of Joshua. He's a man who was full of the Spirit. He had wisdom. He was a man who was like Moses in his testimony and in his walk. And yet we find a man, though, yet still in need of encouragement from Jehovah himself. Whether you think you're a Joshua or whether you think you're less of a Joshua, it doesn't matter. You need the encouragement. And you need to encourage others. You say, why well, aren't people encouraging me then? Well, who's the last person you've encouraged lately? It's easy to want it, but part of our being faithful in all these things, brethren, is to make sure we encourage others. We need the exhortation. You know, those four basic things that we gave back there a few moments ago regarding Joshua, they're true to us as well. We mentioned the promises of the Lord and and taking the land. Well, we're not actually taking any physical land, but we're walking in the Christian walk in the pathway and heaven is ours. All that's a promise. Brethren, we are encouraged and strengthened as we think about these promises and know them. If you don't give much thought to them, don't expect much success. Another thing, as we mentioned, is God's promise of His presence. We have to recognize that that's true with us. Not, and with the new covenant, not only, and this is true of the old covenant as well, but more so now, and I'm not going to get into that theological hairbrain, so don't even worry about that. The point is, we not only have the, the Spirit of God with us, but we have Him dwelling in us. So we do have God's promise of his presence and we need to realize that thirdly he was given a command you remember back in verse 9 have I not commanded thee are there not commands in the Christian walk that we have every one of us are commanded in particular areas of our walk and callings that's why we ought to know these things we won't be strengthened without them any more than Joshua would have been. And then we are to do what as well as Joshua was told to do? Meditate upon the Word of God. Aren't we? So the, the psalmist tells us in that very first psalm in regards to that very thing that we are, if we're to be a man who's blessed, what are we like? Well, we're like the man who his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law doth he meditate day and night if we expect success and obedience to God, success in our fighting against sin and obeying the Lord, then, brethren, we have to be in the Word of God. We have to meditate upon it. There has to be a, a consistency. It's not, well, I read my Bible a month ago. What do you mean? No, it has to be a consistent thing. David said he meditated day and night. This doesn't mean he never slept. But he's talking there in words of consistency. There was an ongoing working in his heart to know the Word and to study the Word and to be familiar with the Word and apply the Word in this situation, that situation, to know God and to know His Word. Brethren, we won't be encouraged and we won't be strengthened apart from it. So just as those things were to be active in Joshua... They're to be active in us, and that's why I brought them out. Not just for Joshua's sake, but these things were written for us so that we would be encouraged. Moses also encouraged Joshua a couple of chapters back in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 7. Uh, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So not only does God personally encourage Joshua, but we see Moses, a fellow servant, encouraging one that's why I said a while ago. Brethren, we ought to be encouraging one another. That's the example we see here in Joshua's life. Joshua just didn't say, I'm only going to get encouragement from God. Now the rest of y'all leave me alone. I'm a little bit too I'm too holy to receive encouragement from the likes of you all. No. He stood with Moses in these things. He recognized that he needed the encouragement from other brethren. uh, Moses recognized he needed the encouragement from other brethren. So none of us then, brethren, are above encouragement. So when people come and encourage you, don't say these foolish things. Oh, I already know that. That's a good way to dampen the spirit of anyone trying to be a help to you. Ah, I already know that. Don't tell me that. Don't worry about that. I know. That's stuff. That's basic. That's basic. Well, you proud, pompous, you know what? Listen to the exhortation. That's why God put them there. Even the Lord himself, at least from not exactly saying that, but you can see how how that others ministered to them and the angels came to him and things like that. He needed encouragement. Well, brethren, if the Son of God incarnate needs encouragement, so do we. Number three. The promises of God, the promise of our victories as Christians are not accomplished by our ease. This goes back to what we said a few moments ago. But brethren, if we're going to fight, if we're going to win, then we must do those very things. It won't come by us sitting back in our easy chair. The scripture says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. We see the activity of faith there. But brethren, does that mean that we are just passive in this? No. We're up and about. Uh, Jude, which our brother read here a few weeks ago, he said, keep yourselves in the love of God, didn't he? He didn't say God will keep you there. Well, He will. And that's a truism. He does keep us. But He commands us. Notice that. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's your responsibility. You're accountable to that. Don't expect God to keep you or you to be successful in being kept if you're not busy about keeping yourselves in the love of God. So that sounds like Arminianism. No, that's Bible. That's Jude 1, verse 21. Look it up. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Whatever you may think of that verse theologically, it's in the Bible. And you're to keep yourselves. Be faithful and diligent about it. The Bible also tells us, for instance, and here uh, we have a lot of sissified Christians, and this is a feminine Christianity that we see so much of today. But here's what Paul pronounces to the Corinthians. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Notice that. Quit you like men. We're not to be a bunch of wastes in our Christian walk. We're to be strong. We're to be encouraged. And we're to act like men, not children, and not women in these matters. And then lastly, we see the promise that God was with, you Remember? Uh, Joshua In fact we noted two places for that But as I said earlier That's also true to us We have the promise of the new covenant For instance in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 Let your conversation be without covetousness And be content with such things as you have For he hath said I will never leave thee Nor forsake thee Guess where Paul got that verse at He got it out of Joshua chapter 1 I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 9, For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Also verse 5, uh, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And that's the very verse Paul had in mind when he wrote Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. So brethren, are we going to make any progress in the Christian walk? Well, then we need to take heed just as Joshua was to take heed. Now, let me ask you, would Joshua have been successful if he ignored verses 2 through 9? He wouldn't have. Well, I know in the decree of God he was and all that. I know all of that. I know the Bible just as well as you do and things like that. But the point of the matter is this is what he's to obey. He couldn't just say, yeah, well, God's with me and thus everything's going to be fine. That's not what he's to do. He's to take up his armory, as it were, and to go forth and to battle. Well, we'll get into the rest of the chapter, Lord willing, next time. But we see this very strong exhortation this morning to put these things on, as it were, and be faithful.